Somebody give him glory if you know that it's your season. Come on, give him glory. Declare that it's your season. Come on, do you believe that it's your season? Come on, give him glory in this place because it's your season. Walk in it. Hallelujah. You don't have to feel like it. We walk by faith. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, come on, receive that it's your season. Come on, just worship him in sweet worship. Come on, tell him all over the sanctuary, give him glory. Come on, right where you are, lift your hands toward heaven. Ah, God, I declare, I decree, I receive that it's my season. Come on, come on, come on. Speak life over yourself. Hallelujah. I receive it's my season. I receive it's my season. Hallelujah. I glorify you. It's my season. It's my season. I receive. It's my season. I receive my season. I receive. It's my season. I receive. Walk in my season. I receive. It's my season. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's my season. I Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's my season. I receive my season. It's my season. It's my season. 
It's my season. It's my season. It's my season. It's my season. It's my season. God, we thank you. We receive your prophetic word that it is, in fact, our season. That everything that we've dealt with, it's only been for the season. We walk by faith and not by sight. We thank you that our steps are ordered by you. Open doors that no one can shut. Thank you that you've met every need. I thank you, gracious God, that your spirit is in agreement with your word. Thank you, gracious God, in the name of Jesus that you've already ministered, now confirm. We honor you today. We give you glory. We thank you that this is our season and that we have the courage to walk in it. We love you, Father. We honor you. We've been prepared to receive. Now let your word go forth freely. We decrease that you might increase, that we might walk in our season to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I dare you to give God a shout of praise for your season. Give God praise for your season, for your season, for your... Point at somebody and tell them it's your season. It's your season. Come on, point at them at home and tell them it's your season. Text them and tell them, come on, you need to join the day. It's your season. Praise God for our music ministry, our worship ministry. As a minister of the gospel, sometimes you ask God, am I going in the right direction? Is this what you're saying? And then from the beginning to now, God confirms everything. Every note that I wrote down, everything. I could really just pass it out and say they already preached it. So you need to lean in because I mean this is for you. I know that it's for me. Amen. Verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Look at somebody and tell them, after all of this, you better hold on to your peace. Tell somebody else, hold on to your peace. You got it now. You got it. You feel it. You sense it. But you better hold on to your peace. Come on, knock on the bathroom door at home and tell them, Jerry, hold on to your peace. Hold on to your peace. Hold on to your peace. You may be seated. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on to your peace. Hold on to your peace. Don't 
you dare let them mess with your tell somebody don't you dare don't you dare don't you dare don't let them don't let it don't let him don't let her don't let them don't let him don't let her don't let them mess with your peace. Don't let anybody disturb your peace. I declare and decree that they can't mess with your peace. Somebody give God glory. Don't let them mess with your peace. Don't mess with me. Don't talk to me. Don't bother me. Just let me be. When you get to a certain point in your life, all you want should I just go and do the benediction right now at, 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 when you get to a certain place in your life all you want is no drama no foolishness no mess take the money take the car take the dog take the goldfish just leave me some peace if you don't want I beat that But the tragic thing about peace is often we settle for false peace. Might not be arguing, might not be cussing, might not be fighting, but you ain't got no real peace. Because you can never have true peace unless you address and confront and resolve the root of the issue. Most of us ain't doing nothing but surface living. And you good Christians will just pray about it but never have any peace about it because you scared to go deep in it because you'd rather live with it. You sweep it under the rug and trip on it and bump your noggin all the time because all you got is false peace. Y'all look cute but ain't no peace. You ain't got nothing but cover up on. You got Botox in the spirit. You might have quiet and no perceived conflict, but you ain't got no peace, baby. There's trouble in the kitchen and it's bubbling right up under the epidermis. Uh, York Rager of Vanderbilt University said that uh, uh, never settle for false peace. He said settling for false peace means covering up the divisions that prevent he said, while fighting for true peace means addressing those divisions and taking sides with those who experience injustice. Stay with me. The prophet Jeremiah said in chapter 6, verse 13, from the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike, all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace at all. People want peace without justice. Even nice preachers want peace without justice. All I want is some peace, when often what you're saying is all I want to do is to continue to live this lie. 
But one prophet named King said, true peace is not merely the absence of tension. It is the presence of justice. At the height of the pandemic, you had young folks in the street chanting, no justice. Oh, come on, see, us old school jokers, we were hiding in the church, but the young folks were outside, even in the pandemic, hollering, no justice, no peace. Look at somebody and tell them, no justice, no peace. Look at somebody and say, else and say, peace, baby, peace. According to the Unger's Dictionary, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, completeness, harmony, wholeness, prosperity, welfare, health. In the New Testament, the Greek translation means unity and concord. Groups of people, individuals, communities, nations, peace. Peace is not necessarily the absence of turmoil. Peace is soundness in yourself when all hell is breaking loose. Everybody tripping, everybody saying, everybody doing it, but you standing in the midst of that joker talking about, I will not be moved because what you need to understand, it don't come from you. Peace is health in mind and soul and body and spirit. And what I know is you can experience peace naturally with a certain feeling. But baby, I would argue that peace is really induced by the supernatural. How you may feel it in the natural, but peace is supernatural. Let me prove it to you. Uh, it's supernatural because with the stuff that you've been through in the last few years, in the stuff that you have been through in the last few months, with the mess you've dealt with in the last few weeks, you don't hear me, the fact that you're still standing, the fact that you still got breath in your lungs, the fact that you can look at me and you ain't crazy and lost your mind, the fact that you ain't went postal and in jail somewhere, the fact that you ain't done the joke is what they deserve having done to them is true proof positive that peace is a supernatural thing. If it had not been for God on your side, is there anybody in here who knows that ain't nobody gave you peace but God? Somebody give God some praise somewhere. Tell somebody, it's a miracle, it's a miracle, it's a miracle that I'm sitting next to you and I, I, I ain't buggy right now. Can I help you? Can I help you? It's a miracle. You know, in our community, we don't talk much about mental illness. We just say, you know, Pookie is touched. But the real deal, if there's any group of people who deserves to, to have a challenge with mental illness, it's our folk. Y'all need to give God some praise if you know I'm telling the truth up in here. Come on, with our historical dehumanization which has turned into present-day isms, racism, classism, sexism. Our racism takes on structural affluent stuff, institutional, individual, microaggressions, where they act like you ain't smart enough. You got all kind of degrees, and they still following you around in the mall like you gonna take something when you can afford all the purses they got. You ain't hear me up in here. That micro stuff, you leave the house, you don't the mayor you over the popo -po. and when you go down 
the street, you tight because you're wondering if they following you. You don't hear me. Even the popo, if you're black, got popo looking at you. Y'all ain't hear me real good because they're stuck. We got a slow, simmering, disheveled spirit just because you as fine as you are. Tell somebody you just fine. That's the problem. Our people fight post-traumatic stress disorder every day of their life. We train. We know how to let them see our hands. We know how to be nice to folk when they get in the elevator because we know everybody nervous. You ain't 220, you 5'5", five, five, and still you a threat just because there's so much power on the inside of you that folk are intimidated when you walk into place. You need to understand. Peace of mind ain't easy to come by. Only God can keep you in a space of peace. And Paul, in his grand finale to the saints at Philippi, gives us a prescription for peace. Just look at somebody like you writing a script, like you a doc. Just tell them, here's a prescription for peace. Paul is writing to some of his most ardent supporters in the city of Philippi. On his second missionary journey, he and some of his buddies, they established a church in the city of Philippi. And on one occasion when they heard that old Paul was in a Roman jail, they took up an offering and they sent it by one of their members named Epaphroditus. Later, Paul sent them back a love thank you note. Say, I just want to thank y'all for, you know, helping a brother out while he is on lockdown. And thank you for sending Epaphroditus. Now, I'm sending Epaphroditus back to you with the thank you note. And I know y'all been going through a little hell, a little oppression, a little opposition. And I just want to let you know how to handle these jokers who are trying to disturb your peace. Somebody holler, you can handle them. You can handle them. He begins in chapter 1 by saying, if you turn to in chapter 1, he says, uh, to God's holy people, chapter 1, verse 1, in Christ Jesus, uh, together with the overseers and the deacons, he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody holler, grace and peace. He says in verse 3 of chapter 1, I thank God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. He says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He says, but you need to be confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you uh, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He says, I just want to let y'all know that I love y'all. He says, I know you're going through some messy stuff. People are tripping. People are coming against you. He says, but I want to speak grace and peace unto you. Just wave at somebody and say, grace and peace unto you. He says, I love you. I want to thank you for your partnership. I want to thank you for your faithfulness. And though you've been faithful, I know folks have been messy. But I want to let you know that he who has begun 
a good work in you is going to bring it to come. That's why it's your season. Because he who has begun a good work in you is going to bring it to pass. They plotted against you. They came against you. They backed up on you. They divested in you. But he who has begun a good work in you is going to bring it to completion. I wish I had somebody who's been through a thing or two who would give God some praise because God says, I got a work for you to do. He says that I'm going to bring it to completion. Can't no devil in hell stop what I put on the inside of you. I wish I had 12 folk who would give God praise. The preachers were against you. The haters were against you. The dogs were against you. They spread lies and accusations. But what God has for you, it is for you. And what I put in you, I'm going to get out of you. Yeah. Anybody been through anything, I'll dare you to look at somebody and say, you just don't know. <laughs> baby, you don't know what I've been through, baby. You don't know how much hell I've been dealing with, baby. Baby, 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 you don't know. But in the middle of it, he says, I got a prescription for them jokers who are trying to steal your peace. He says in verse 4 of chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. The path to your peace in a messy situation is for you to make the choice to rejoice in every situation. I don't care how silly, I don't care how crazy, you make a choice to rejoice in every situation. They buggy, they tripping, they crazy, they a fool. But you make a choice to rejoice This, 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 chapter 3, verse 1, he said, rejoice in the Lord. He said rejoice in chapter 1, in chapter 2, in chapter 3, in chapter 4. He said rejoice. Philippians is called the joy letter because he talks about joy or rejoicing 16 times in four chapters. Rejoice. Somebody holler, rejoice. He says rejoice in chapter 1. Rejoice in chapter 2. Rejoice in chapter 3. See, and it makes no difference which season you're in. Every season is your season. If you make up your mind to rejoice in season number 1, season number 2, season number 3, and season number 4. And when you're sick and tired of a season, he gets to the uh, finale in chapter 4. He says, if you want peace, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He did not say if you feel like it. This was not a suggestion. This was a command. He says, I know what you're dealing with, and if you're going to deal with it without losing your doggone intelligent mind, you got to learn how to rejoice. Somebody holler, rejoice. 
Joy is a quiet confidence that says God got me, God got him, God got it, God got you in the midst of it. You tripping, but I'm chilling because you need to understand God got me, God got it, and I know he got you. Happiness depends on happenings. Joy depends on Jesus. Old folk used to say, this joy I have. The world didn't give it to me. This joy I have. The world didn't give it to me. This joy I have. The world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it up. Look at somebody say, I know that one, I know that one. Big Mama's saying that one. See, the world didn't give it, the world can't. And regarding rejoicing, regarding, come on, I want to teach you something. Regarding rejoicing, uh, the Yale Anchor Bible Dictionary says, the experience of deliverance and anticipation of salvation provides a great occasion to rejoice in the Lord. Uh, uh, anticipating God delivering you from something gives you a reason to rejoice even before deliverance happens. Uh, uh, joy is the response, the gladness to the reality that before God delivers, I already know I've been delivered. That, that, that's why they look at you crazy when they give you that diagnosis in the doctor's office and you start hollering and shouting and they're trying to figure out how can you cry and shout at the same time. You don't understand that right now I'm sowing seed. My Bible says I sow in tears, but I'm about to reap in joy. You, you gonna see God do something that ain't never been done before and even your heathen self gonna have to say baby that is a miracle does anybody have a reason to rejoice I dare you to give God some glory right now is anybody expecting God to deliver them from anything I dare you to give God some glory right now Come on, in the Old Testament, they'd give God glory before the battle. They'd give God a shout during the battle, and then they shot it after the battle was over. But you don't have to wait till the battle is over, baby. You got to learn how to rejoice and give God praise right now. It says rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Savior. I rejoice in my provider. I rejoice in my healer. I rejoice in my deliverer. I rejoice in my banner. You gotta learn how to rejoice in God. Is there anybody ready for God to do something? I dare you to rejoice. Jesus said rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Sometimes rejoicing gets crazy. Sometimes you make folk uncomfortable when you start rejoicing because they don't understand the radical shift that God has made in your life. They looking at what you're going through and think you're just ignoring the problem. 
And what you're saying, baby, I see what I see, but I see what he's shown me. And when I see what he's shown me, I give him glory for the victory of the vision that he's already. I just want to know, does anybody see something? Does anybody see God? Come on, the vision might tarry, but daddy says it's coming to pass. Why? Because it's your season. Come on, give God some praise because he's your refuge and strength. Come on, rejoice because he's your strong tower. Come on, give him glory because he's your exceeding great reward. Come on, praise his name because he's your shield and your buckler. You need to understand, I rejoice because of who and what I know. I rejoice because of who and what I know. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. How many of y'all know that God's working it out? All things work together, not some things. All things. You mean that? All things. What they did to me? All things. I'm between jobs? All things. They don't love me no more? All things. I can't pay attention? All things. Somebody holler, it's my season. God says, regardless of the season, the apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 1 and 6, in this we greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. He said, you might be going through some stuff in this season, but understand that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire, might be found out unto praise and honor and glory of the appearing of Jesus. In other words, you might be going through some stuff right now, but you ain't going to look like what you've been through. When God gets done allowing the pressure, you're going to come forth like pure gold. I wish somebody would give God some jewelry praise because you're about to come forth. Somebody holler rejoice, 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 rejoice. He says in every situation, you got to make up your mind to rejoice. You don't feel like rejoicing. You just take a cut. Y'all was out on Friday night. Y'all should have seen them lying, dancing, stepping. They was tripping. They were chilling, having a good time. And I saw some of y'all who was out there actually moving in church this morning. Because I guess you figured if you could dance to that, you could dance to this. Because God has done. Wait till we have a house party. Oh, I'm fishing, baby. I ain't going to joke off the folk who go to church every day. I'm going to the crazy people who know how to kick it. Somebody holler rejoice. Here's another element of prescription. I'm going to hurry up. You will preserve your peace in every situation when you intentionally 
display a gentle disposition. You will reserve your peace in every situation when you intentionally display a gentle disposition. Where you get that from? Verse 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness, an attitude of humility. How may I help you? A courteous, unpretentious disposition. Being patient, meek, and mild. Kindness towards other folk. As one grandmama would just say, be nice. Uh, Hebrews 12 and 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. Like that's holiness. That ain't nothing but church speak. If you're not nice, you ain't holy. You can speak holy, but if you ain't nice, you a hellion disguised as a saint. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Paul says, let your gentleness be evident. Somebody holler evident. Obvious, clear, understood to everybody. Not just folks in church that you know. Because in church, we nice to certain people that we know. And if we don't think somebody is important or in the inner circle, we ain't nice to them. That's why folk who are on the outside trying to get in, who are on the periphery, don't want to come to church because we don't have enough nice Negroes who call on Jesus. If you ain't in the inner circle, you ain't no inner circle up in here. There's only a level footing at the cross that Jesus, that you got to be nice. How many of y'all know that road rage is real? <laughs> Look at somebody say, road rage is real. You, you better be, you better quit tripping. Some of y'all think that that little steel, that little plastic protects you from somebody. You better learn how to, you know, people get real gutsy when they're in a car. Be four foot 11 and in a truck and think they're going to run over somebody because they bad. Get down out the truck, boom. <laughs> Need to understand, I, I, I remember once that we were, that we were I was taking the children. I was taking our children to school. They were younger. Mama was out of town. So daddy was trying to get it together. And I was running, running late. Daughter was asking me in the closet, do you know what you're doing? I said, shut up. <laughs> they don't have garanimals no more, so I couldn't mix the stuff together. And running late, I ain't had time to give them nothing to eat, so I had to just, just, I did a daddy Dunkin' Donut drop stop. Pray for the teachers. They're probably mad at me today. A little too much sugar. They were tripping. I took it real quick, and I was trying to get the school daughter, so I, I, I pulled out into the traffic out of the... And I didn't see. I just pulled out, Clarence. And I, and I got to the door, I mean, to the light, and obviously there was somebody that I cut off. This joker pulled up next to the truck, and he started speaking to me in French. <laughs> Taiwanese. He said, you so-and-so-and-so-and-so. How the, mm, did you not see that? I tell you, how you going to pull up in front of me? And you, and you made my dog go into the dashboard. I, and, and the doggone it, my, my, my window was down just a bit. My kids' eyes looking big like they going to jump and do something. Hey, hey, so who are you talking to my daddy like that? I said, hey, 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 chill. I said, I'm sorry. I said, man, you think I really tried to hurt your dog? I said, man, please, 
don't let me mess up your day. He said, I said, have a blessed day. I said, God bless. His lip was trembling. And then he said, God bless you. Now, y'all need to understand, I ain't always handled it like that. But at that moment, God let me do it in a gentle fashion. Because what you need to understand, if you act right today, you'll live to drive another day. Somebody ought to give God some glory up in here. Sometimes you got to learn how to just hold your hands up and mouth the words, I'm sorry, so that you can live again. Gentleness does not make you weak. Gentleness allows you to take control of the atmosphere to make a devil behave and make somebody who had their hand on the trigger take their hand off. So y'all ain't hear me up in here. But humility is gentleness like Christ Jesus, and you're making an appeal. Like joy, gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. When you manifest gentleness, you're manifesting the other eight of the fruit. Where there is gentleness, there is God. There's charis. There's, there's, there's the anointing. There's the Holy Ghost. They acting crazy, but by his Spirit, you become a grace dispenser. They want to argue, but by his spirit, your gentle, kind answer breaks them on down. A, a, a well-placed apology will save your entire relationship. Are oh, you too smart? You right, but you wrong. Hear me. Don't you let anybody shift your disposition. Not even in the parking lot on the way out. If they cut you off, God bless your heart and all your parts. I control my peace. I control my peace. I control my peace because I choose to be nice. I control my peace because I choose to rejoice. You got enemies who sit around the table who are supposed to be helping you govern. You control your peace, though you're looking in the face of a devil. You control your peace because you're too big to go low. Oh, y'all don't like this kind of preaching. I know. I know. See, you don't understand, Reverend. This, this is hard to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth because some people just deserve a good cussing. But you'll stay on your pathway to peace when you remember that the Lord is your present, ever-present companion. Doc, out of nowhere, Paul says, I know y'all going through hell. I know people are messing with you. I know people are oppressing you. I know people are opposing you. He says, Shh. the Lord is near. Look at somebody and tell them, verse 5 says, the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is right here, Wendy. The Lord, the Lord is here. But you need to understand this has a present, this has a double meaning. Yes, the Lord is present. Yes, the Lord is here. But the Lord is coming. The Lord it will never leave you nor forsake you, but the Lord is coming. 
The Lord says, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the earth. But what you need to get is that the Lord is coming. What he was talking about is the parousia, the second coming of Christ. What he was saying is, I want to remind y'all how you live in because the Lord is coming back soon. Oh, oh y'all need to hear me. He says, the Lord is near and no one knows the day nor the hour when God, do you understand that God may stop me in the middle of this, show up, park the ceiling, and the Lord show up and say, now how you living? How's it going? How you doing? What's happening in your life? Paul says, the Lord is near, so you need to anticipate that God is there and that he's coming to show. Can I be real honest? I, you know, it wasn't that. I was also holy when this guy was going off on me. What I understood is my children were in the back seat watching me. And they wanted to see if old daddy-o, the man of God, was going to go Detroit on a joker and cuss him. Or whether he was going to say, my brother. Y'all don't hear me. See, you remember when your parents went out of town? You acted different when you anticipated that they might come back. You act different when you anticipate that they coming back. You get everything out. You get everybody out. You get all the weed out. You get all the stuff out. You spray all over the place because you anticipate their return. God says if you would anticipate that wherever you are, I am, and I'm about to show up in your situation, You'd be nice to a fool who don't even deserve it. Tell somebody, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. You got to keep your lamp trimmed and burning because you don't know when God going to show up on your job. See, you got to help me now. You treat people nice because you don't know who they are. But what if they're an angel unaware and you snub them and God says, that was me. Some of them homeless folk, man, we'd be going straight to hell, taking a doggy bag, won't even give it to them. And when it turns in the refrigerator, it ain't fit for the dog to eat. But you could have gave it to Jesus. Now, Reverend, this ain't easy. This ain't easy to be all nice to people, especially when they nasty. Many of those people are the reason why I'm so stressed. I can't handle them. They threaten my peace because you let them. Here's the point. God says, I know about all your stresses. I know about how you stress yourself. He says, but here's the deal. You have to determine that you will not allow anxiety to rule your emotions. Tell your neighbor, wake up. You tired because you ain't getting no sleep, worrying about stuff all night. Verse 6, check it out. He says, do not be anxious about what you been dealing with what you been who been worried that child still wearing you they good and grown do not do not be anxious about anything don't allow anxiety to rule your emotions because anxiety is nervousness unease that turns into dis-ease some of the stuff you're dealing with is because of stressors and letting people stress you. They don't deserve to have that type of power over you, given the God that you serve. Listen to Matthew 6 and 25. I think this is where Paul got it from. Therefore, I tell you, Matthew 6, 25, don't you worry about your life. 
what you're going to eat, about your body, what you're going to wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't soak, they don't reap, they don't store away in bonds, and yet daddy feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than Tweety Birds? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes when I'm going to wear? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor. They do not spin. I'm telling you, not even Solomon was as sharp as one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown in a fire, will he not much more clothe you? Then he says, oh, you of a little faith, worry and and anxiety is emblematic of a lack of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. They that come to him must believe that he is. Verse 31 says, so do not worry, saying, what shall I eat? What shall I drink? What shall I wear? Pagans run after all that stuff. He says, but you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this other stuff that you've been worrying about will be added unto to you. How do I get rid of anxiety in my life? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. How do I get rid of anxiety? He says, do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and petition. How do I get rid of anxiety? Pray. I'm going to go on. I know y'all ready to go now. This is, this is too much responsibility for me. If you want to press through all the stuff that's tripping you out, you got to learn how to press into the Prince of Peace. In his presence is fullness of joy. You got to press into him. I mean, even when you're there at the office, when they get in your ner on your nerves, you got to go into the bathroom and you got to press your way into the presence of God because in his presence, worry and anxiety comes from focusing on the circumstance instead of the Savior. Worry and anxiety. Them kids, that money. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, who's going to? When are we going to? God said, you so worried about them that you can't worship me. And because you don't worship me, you're worshiping them. Because all your time, all of your language, all of your resources is going towards what you're worrying about. And what you're worrying about can't do nothing for you. Only, what, only I can do for you what you need to be done. He says, be anxious for nothing. But in every situation, somebody holler, every situation. Say it again, every situation. By prayer and petition. Every situation. By prayer and petition. What did y'all sing? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God. Oh, what peace. We often forfeit, oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. They're getting on my nerve, everything. They're getting on my nerve, everything. How we going to fix this? Everything. How we going to do this? Everything. How long? Everything. They're getting on my everything. Here's the problem. We get anxious because we all want to do something. 
Get a little degree that you couldn't get without God, and now you think you're smarter than God to fix what you wasn't smart enough to get out of. Oh, somebody hear me real good. But you don't even know what to pray about until you pray in the Spirit. I'm going to hurry up. Hurry up, Jermaine. Romans 8 and 26 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us with our weakness. We don't even know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit who is God because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Understand that this interceding of the Spirit in Romans 8 and 26 comes before Romans 8 and 28, which says, and we know that all things work together. You don't know that all things work together until in your spirit, Holy Ghost intercedes on your behalf and even lets you know what to pray for. You'll be wasting your words until you know you praying for this and Holy Ghost say, I want you to pray for that. And then you'll be anxious for nothing. He says, by prayer and petition. Prayer is multifaceted. Prayers of adoration, prayers of confession, prayer of thanksgiving, prayers of supplication, which is prayers of petition. In other words, he says, request, ask, beg, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened. Who told you that not having, having faith is praying one time and it's over? God says you need to pray, you need to go after God until God God gives you an answer. God says, if you ask, it shall be given. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, the door shall be opened. Prayer works. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins. I'll heal their land. The effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. The prayer of faith will make the sick person well. You want to know the problem? We won't even ask God what we want. Jesus asked the blind man, what you want me to do for you? He says, I want to see. God is asking you on this morning, what do you want him to do for you? What do you want him to deliver you from? What do you want him to fix? What do you want him to open? What do you need him to close? See, the problem is you prayed for it last week and you tired. You can't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap. If you faint not, if it's your season, pray. If you want deliverance, pray. Is there anybody here that needs God to do something? He says, make a request unto him. But check it out with thanksgiving. He says, I pray for my house, and I thank you. I pray for my finances, and I thank you. I pray for them devils on my job, and I thank you. I pray for my health, and I thank you. Is there anybody need God to move? I dare you to open your mouth. God said, if you pray, 
If you praise, it comes with a promise. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. If y'all ain't hearing me, not the peace of them or the peace of it, but the peace of God who is Jehovah Shalom, the peace of God who is the Prince of Peace. I don't need your peace if I got God's peace. You can't give me peace because I need God's peace. Why does that work? Why does that work? Because God says, I'll keep you in perfect peace. All whose mind is stayed on thee. When you keep your mind on whatever is true, on whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, God gives you peace. I ain't stunting you. I got peace. I ain't worried about you. I got peace. Give God some peace praise up in here. Louder. 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 Confuse the enemy. Louder. Oh, give thanks. Louder. Oh, give praise. Louder. Oh, I know you got more challenges than that. I know you're dealing with more craziness than that. I know you need God to open some stuff. You want it to be your season? You got to praise an in season and out of season. the practice. Put nice in the practice. Put prayer in the practice. Put praise in the practice. And the peace of God will keep your mind. And the peace of God will guard your emotions so you don't make emotional decisions. Can't nobody give you peace. They can give you peace, they can take your peace away. Money can't give you peace. Ask the rich folks who would pay. Being married, being divorced, they ain't gonna give you peace. Wherever you go, you're going to be. And if you don't have a peace that passes all understanding. Come on, have you ever been in the middle of something as crazy as jumping off? But you're talking about, you know, strange thing. I got a peace about it. I don't have what I need, but I got a peace about it. I'm here by myself, but I, I got a peace about it. 
I didn't get the job, but I got a piece about it. They did it. They didn't do it. They gone. It's gone. But I got a piece of mine. Come on, give somebody some dap. Just tell them, fist bump them all over the place. Just tell them, I got a piece about it. Don't let them take your piece. Don't let them. Don't even let them. They don't deserve it. Hallelujah, anyhow. Come on, if you're not sure you're saved, you don't have a church home, don't, don't, don't let church hurt at the last place, Robbie, or your peace. Come on, they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't have a church home? Come on. You're not sure you're saved? Come on. You've been visiting since before the pandemic? God says, come on. They that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you for tuning in to our broadcast of New Faith Baptist Church International. If this message has been a blessing to your life, we ask that you please partner with us by sowing a seed of faith so we can continue to extend the body of Christ. Join us as we continue to move forward by faith. <laughs>